Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Good morning, family and friends. I uh, hope you are warm uh, in this cold, uh, cold winter woman morning. Um, for those who are visiting, my name is Christy Sardi and I have the privilege of serving here at Red Door Church under the leadership of Pastor Reinhard de Brain. Uh, married to Selen and we're expecting a little girl in the next few weeks. Um, Hazel Grace is coming um, potentially in the next few weeks and for those of us who know what the laboring process um, entails, um, please be praying for us, um, for the excitement that is coming, but also for um, some of the other things that, that are hard. Um, this morning we continue in our series called Praise for Pretoria. And Psalm Recording in progress. Okay, got it. Uh, and Psalm 42 and 43 is, is regarded as one psalm, um, but most scholars are not sure why it was broken up. Um, if you look at the certain things that are repeated um, and ref- um, rephrased uh, and the exact things that are said, um, most scholars agree that it is one literary unit. And, and it was meant to be sung um, as a song um, to remind God's people that life can be tough, but God is still good. To remind God's people that life is really hard, as we have seen this week, um, but God is still in control. The goal of my sermon this morning is really just to serve and encourage us from God's Word. And for many South Africans, um, this has been a really difficult week. And in difficult times, we tend to ask a lot of questions. You know, how could God have allowed this to happen? Why did it happen? Um, where, where is God in all of this? Well, my title this morning is... The inward struggle of the believer during difficult times. The inward struggle of the believer during outward difficult times. I want to show that that these psalms, from these psalms, I want to show that it is normal to have these inward struggles. And I want us to look closely at how the psalmist responds to overcome these outward circumstances. This week has been one of the darkest times in our country's history. And uh, some of us have friends and families who have lost livelihoods, who have lost possessions during the attempted insurrection. There are food shortages, there's medican, medicine shortages, um, there's damage to strategic infrastructures due to rioting and looting. As if our country wasn't already um, in an economic crisis as a result of being looted um, during the state capture, we have in one week lost billions of rands. Many, many of us are living in fear, wondering that the violence that we have seen scattered all over Gauteng and KZN, when will it eventually reach us? 
and what effect will this have on our economy? This is all saying without even mentioning the fact that our country was already kind of crippled by a global pandemic with patients being turned away from hospitals, uh, health workers having to choose who to give ventilators to, hundreds of people dying from COVID every day. All of a sudden, the I'm leaving, I'm leaving immigration conversations become rampant. Um, people are fearing for their lives. People are fearing for their livelihoods, for their assets, their possessions, and ultimately also for the futures of this country and for their children. In times like these, it is really normal to ask those big questions. But that it is where we find the answers to deal with these difficult questions, with these difficult circumstances, that will be the deciding factor as to how we move forward. So the way I'm going to break up this sermon this morning is just looking at a few, four observations about the psalmist, about the psalmist, and then I'll look at 11 ways that he responded, after which ending with some practical applications for our situation. So let me quickly pray again just to recapture and regain our hearts, uh, regain our attention on God's Word. Father, we pray that your Spirit would fall on us afresh now as we hear how it is that your Word is encouraging us, how you are encouraging us to respond to really difficult circumstances. Lord, we pray that you will speak to us and that we will be convicted, but also encouraged, Lord, that we would leave here feeling feeling better knowing that our hope is in you, that you are sovereign over all things, all circumstances, even an insurrection. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So observation one, the psalmist is in a spiritually dry season to the point where he compares himself with a, a deer panting in desperation for water. Verse 1, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Second observation is the psalmist is going through a dry season because he's living outside of community, unable to fellowship and worship with other believers. Verse 2b, when shall I come and appear before God? 6b, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Mazar. Three, the the psalmist is living in a hostile environment with people who are taunting him for his decisions to still believe in God, even when it seems that God has forsaken him. 3b, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? 9b, why do I go on mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. 10, As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? 43 verse 1 says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against the ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Please deliver me. And then 43, 2b, why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So we might not be in a situation where we are 
taunted by unbelievers, taunted by an enemy, um, ridiculed for our faith and what we believe. But perhaps we have friends or family who are not believers and they don't understand how the gospel works, perhaps. Um, Perhaps they have this idea that because you believe in God, your life should be perfect. And because your life isn't perfect and you are affected by outward uh, injustices, outward um, difficulties and circumstances, it disproves God's existence. Or at least that He doesn't care about you. Having these interactions with those friends and family can be extremely, extremely draining. And that's what the psalmist was experiencing on a daily basis. The last observation I want to make about the psalm is that his circumstances were extremely overwhelming. Verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night. Verse 7, Deep calls out to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. At your breakers and your waves have gone, have gone over me. I don't know whether you have been at a place in your life where you're on the verge of crying at any moment. The tears are just being held back because of your circumstances. I don't know if you've been pummeled by wave after wave while swimming in the ocean to the point where you have lost control. You don't know where, which side is up, which side is down. And you seriously, in that split second, wondering whether you're going to make it out alive. That is what the psalmist is feeling like, feeling like every day. So I want you to... To live yourself into that situation. Like, yes, our life is, ex- is, our week has been extremely difficult. There's so much fear, so much anxiety, so much uncertainty. And that is kind of what the psalm is about as well. Just living in that place of uncertainty, living in that, that place of anxiety. Now I want to look over in our second section to. To 11 ways in which he responds. Um, It's extremely important how we respond during such difficult times, during difficult circumstances. So the first way in which he responds is he never ceases to pray. Just like Rena just mentioned now, are we praying? Are we on our knees? Are we praying for the police, for the military, for our leaders? Are we praying for the the widows, the orphans, the elderly, uh, for our economy? Lord, are we praying for these things? And to be honest, I was not praying uh, as this insurrection was unfolding. I must say, I was looking on on ENCA uh, on YouTube and constantly refreshing, um, waiting for new videos and and hoping as I refresh that new good news will come. And it just kept on being bad news. And you're like, more people are dead, more malls are burned down, more places are being looted. And I just felt felt that sense of what on earth is going on here this is not getting better and i praise god for 
the leadership at Red Door and some of the people at the church who called for a prayer meeting for us to to actually cry out to God and share how we're feeling, where we're at, and to remind ourselves that God is ultimately in control. The second response is he thirsts for God in these difficult circumstances. He thirsts for God because he knows that God is the only one who can satisfy his deepest longing, which is a relationship with his maker. He thirsts after God even though no one around him does, and no one seems to desire God. Yet he thirsts for God. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before you and be in your presence? He's crying out for more of God. He wants more of God, not more of what God can give him, i.e. better circumstances. Yes, circumstances are hard, but even sometimes brilliant, awesome, amazing circumstances won't make you happy, won't satisfy you. So he's asking in these circumstances, Lord, give me more of yourself. And this This, I must be honest, was striking to me because my first prayer in difficult times is to get me out of the difficult times. Yet perhaps we need to be reminded even in these circumstances and allow these circumstances to remind us that God is the one who actually can give us what we need. John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3, 11 says, God has put eternity into your heart. So that deep down, we know that nothing on this earth can satisfy us except the eternal God. I think the point that the psalmist is trying to make is, is to wean us off of the things, the idols, the things that we place our hope and our trust in, to wean us off those things like money, like security, like control, like fame, like relationships, like jobs, like projects, to not put our hope in those things and place our trust in those things, but to put our hope in God, the only one who can give us eternal hope, that can bring eternal justice and help us to live the life that we were meant to live. He ultimately created us and He's the one that knows what a life should be like uh, for His creation. The psalmist is trying to show that God is better than better circumstances. God is better than better circumstances. The way he responds, number three, He asks a lot of questions um, during these difficult times. He knows, knows, according to verse 8, it's very clear that he knows that God is still with him. God has not forgotten him. God is still there. Yet the feelings are real. The feelings of, why have you forsaken me? Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning? Why are you cast down my soul? Where are you, God, in all of this? But that shows us that there is a battle between what we think and what we feel. What we think and believe, 
hold on to the gospel, hold on to who God is. But at the same time, we feel these feelings during this time. And I think Psalm, the Psalms are so amazing in the sense that it legitimizes the fact that we are allowed to feel. God made us with feelings. But how are we responding to those feelings? Are we turning to trusting worldly things and sinning? Or are we turning to God? Number four, he is very open and honest about his feelings. You know, he says, verse three, my tears have been my food day and night. And many of us have been brought up in a stiff upper lip culture where we shouldn't show weakness. We should show that we have strength. We shouldn't expose our feelings. This unfortunately leads to bottling up those emotions and could eventually spill over in fits of rage. Um, or even lead to physical and mental um, side effects if we do not verbalize. The Psalms are filled with verbalizing how they feel. Number five, he asks for deliverance and he trusts that God will bring it about. So even in our situation, yes, we can ask for deliverance and we can trust that God is God is actively at work and we don't know when, we don't know how and what form it will take, but we know that God will bring about deliverance. Um, Verse 43 verse 1 says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against the ungodly from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. He's asking, deliver me, Lord. And then he knows that God will ultimately deliver him. Uh, Verse 3 from chapter 43 from verse 3 says, Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go. Then he believes that he will once again not be cast outside. He will not be in isolation. He will be there. Um, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise him again, my God. He has confidence. So should we ask for God to make South Africa a better place? Should we ask for justices to be be acted out? I don't think it's wrong to ask for that. I think it's very clear that the psalmist uh, think that that is fine. But the question is, are we placing our hope in the fact that South Africa will become a better place? You know, God is better than better circumstances. We, many of us, we are very aware that some countries in the world are amazing. They have amazing circumstances. They have amazing governmental benefits. They have amazing security. They have amazing weather. Like, it's just everything about it seems too good to be true. Yet they are godless. They are godless and do not. God has, God has left their consciousness. You know, the society is not built on a, a biblical worldview. Yet we have a country where, yes, things are hard, things are difficult. And there's many countries like ours. But yet Christianity still has a foothold. Yeah, and it's still somewhat normal. 
I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, what would I prefer? Would I prefer better circumstances with a godless society where my potential children will not grow up with any influence of, of God? Or live in a harder place where God is constantly called out to and, and cried out to um, and present in our society? I think the answer to that question might, might help us see where we actually put our hope and our trust. Number six, he loves to be around God's people and he remembers how amazing it was to be surrounded by God's people during corporate worship. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. This point is quite, quite important. Some of us do not place much importance on meeting together as God's people. During these COVID times, we have become used to playing some songs, um, some praise songs from our favorite bands or artists, and then putting on a sermon of whoever's popular at the time um, to replace our church attendance. If we think that playing some songs and, and just watching a sermon on YouTube can replace God's people gathering together. I think we are either very deceived or in disobedience. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is in the habit of some of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. The author of Hebrews makes it clear that we need each other. We need each other for spiritual enrichment, encouragement, for love, for serving. The Holy Spirit works in a supernatural, in an amazing way when God's people gathers together. When God's people gather together, God is with us. When we meet together on a Sunday like this, God is opening up people's eyes. God is opening people's eyes to spiritual things. God is moving people from spiritual death to life. He's taking them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His glorious light. Helping them escape eternal separation from Him. Saints are being equipped to make an impact, not only in their own lives and their family lives, but in the whole society. People are encouraged during gathering together to endure hardship, to love as Jesus loved, to show mercy as Jesus showed mercy. To experience joy and peace even in the midst of hardship. What is happening right now or when people gather together might potentially be 
something that helps you to persevere in your faith five years from now when you go through a massive crisis. God is worshipped and praised when we meet together. Sunday gatherings are not just a religious ritual. There's so much more that is at play and so much more that is happening. And that is why the psalmist longed to be and cried out and, and mourned the fact that he couldn't be among God's people. And many of us maybe have never experienced that. Many of us have never been in a place where there wasn't a church. So we don't know what it would feel like to not... And so we, we take for granted the fact that, oh, I'm not going to go to church this Sunday. Like, oh, I'm not in the mood to wake up early. Or, but the fact that once you go to a place where there is no church and you have no choice, you will realize, just like the psalmist is, how pivotal community and fellowship is in the life of a believer. The, the illustration of a, of a fire where a coal is thrown out, a burning coal that's in a burning fire, gets thrown out into the the garden, into the sand, quickly withers, quickly burns out. But once you're with the fire, all the coals keep each other warm and ignite each other. Number seven, he finds joy in his suffering. Now this is extremely hard. But it is so encouraging to see how the psalmist finds joy in his circumstances. Even though he's saying that my tears are my food day and night. Verse 8, he still says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He's praising God. Whilst he's crying at night, he's saying, I can't fall asleep because of the tears. That's constantly my food. Yet his song is with me at night. He still praises God. He rejoices in his circumstances. Now, how can we, how can we find joy in the fact that our country is being looted with all the violence and injustice? How? How can we find joy? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to distinguish that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Obviously, we are not happy about what's happening. We're not happy about what has happened. Happiness is a, a direct emotional response to your circumstances. So, obviously, emotions of fear, anxiety, and anger is more adequate. Happiness is probably one of the worst <clears throat> responses to what has happened this past week. And potentially not normal. Um, but joy is so much different. Joy is the deeper and lasting deeper and lasting knowledge that God is sovereign and in control and will bring to justice the injustices of this world. The, the fact that we know that this world is not our home, but that we have a home in heaven waiting for us. Number eight, he preaches to himself. In our case, we are called to preach the gospel to ourselves in these difficult circumstances. The refrain that's repeated three times in this psalm, number 5, verse 5, verse 11, and 43, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? 
Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. I love this. I love this quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones. Well, the late Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, who was a doctor who then turned um, pastor. He writes this uh, book, uh, and I'll read a little quote from it, just about how sometimes we listen too much to the world, to our flesh, to the devil, to culture, to society, to media. There's so many influences that we listen to and we we act based on what we get in. You know, what we hear, we then believe and, and it, it de- deeply ingrains in who we are. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones just says, sometimes we should just stop listening to other influences and start talking to ourselves. He says... Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but there they are, talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says to his soul, Soul, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. I think that is immensely important for us as believers to fill ourselves with God's word and surround ourselves with God's people in order that when the difficult times come, we can preach the gospel to ourselves. Memorize those verses that remind us of the goodness of who God is, what he has done. In a difficult time or when the bottom falls out, to say to yourself, To to not listen to the temptations of the world, the devil, the flesh. But to say to yourself, if God is with me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up freely for me. If if God is for me, who is against me? While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. How much more will I be saved from God's wrath now that I'm his child? Jesus wants me to be salt and light. Jesus wants me to love people the way he loved people. What shall separate me from the love of God? True religion is to take care of widows and orphans. It is more blessed to be give to give than to receive. These are the passages that we can burn inside of our mind that will trickle down into our heart and then be expressed in our lives. Number nine, he reminds himself of who God is. Numerous times he says, God is my life. God is my help. God is my rock. God is my refuge. God is my exceeding joy and my salvation. Why does he do this? He does this because in the midst of extremely difficult times, darkness and despair, we tend to forget who God is. We tend to turn and default back onto our own abilities and our own resources instead of turning to God in prayer. Number 10, he holds 
holds on to the providential hand of God in his suffering and acknowledges that God is in control. Verse number 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. It's very easy to read over this passage and get to number verse 7 and be like, yeah, this guy's really struggling. You know, he's really um, extremely experiencing extreme difficult circumstances. And yet he believes, he holds on to the fact that God in his providence is allowing these difficult things to come over or across his path. Yes, it might be the devil causing it. It might be the the broken world causing it. But as we learn in the book of Job, the devil is under the authority of God and can't act outside of his sovereignty. So the psalmist says, it's, it's you that's, that's throwing this waterfall over me, over me that's bringing this, this breakers and this waves over me. You are the one who's ultimately allowing it and you have a reason for that. Now, many of us do not know why certain things happen. Yes, we know that this world is broken. Yes, we know that uh, the devil is the prince of the power of the air and has a lot of authority that has been given to him by God. Yes, we know that our flesh and our own sinful and selfishness causes destruction and very difficult circumstances on others and ourselves. But ultimately... God is allowing these things to happen for a reason that we don't always know. Now, many in our church has experienced extreme difficult, extreme difficult circumstances. And through, by God's grace, over time, they have realized years after that I can now see why so-and-so had to die. I can now see why I was diagnosed with cancer. I can see now why this and this happened. Because ultimately these things bring us and draw us closer to God. And then the very last one, he is fighting for hope. You know, sometimes in the midst of extreme difficult circumstances and time, It's easy to just give up. It's easy to just throw in the towel. But we see so clearly in verse 5, 11 and 43 verse 5 that he's fighting to hope in God. Because God is his salvation. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I shall again praise Him. I shall be among His people. I want to be in His presence. He is my salvation. He is my God. The honest truth about this psalm is that there is no happy ending. It doesn't end with, oh, and then he was released from where he was in exile, and then he managed to make his way back to Jerusalem, and then he was back in worship, and he was happy again. It doesn't end like that. And I think the the reason why it ends like that is because that is the picture of real life. 
We don't know when our struggles are going to end. We don't know when corruption will end. We don't know when those uh, culprits are going to be brought to justice. We don't know when the truth will come out. But it forces us to look to God and to trust in Him. Our final section, which will be very short, is just some practical applications for us. Where to from now? What do I do right here, right now, where I am at? I think one is to turn your eyes to God in prayer. Show your dependence and acknowledge that you are not in control and that you need Him. Put your trust in Him afresh. Number two, seek God more than better circumstances. Seek God more than better circumstances. Number three, change your expectations. Change your expectations. We are living in a broken world. We are living in a broken world with the effects of sin and the fall everywhere visible in society. And if we keep on thinking that this world should be better, we're going to keep on being disappointed. But if we realize that we are not citizens of this world, our citizenship is in heaven. God calls us to cast our eyes to things above whilst at the same time trying to advance His kingdom here in this broken world. When He changes our expectations and realizes this is normal, then all of a sudden there's a different mentality. Number four, wrestle with God's sovereignty. Focus and wrestle on His sovereignty, knowing that God was not caught off guard during this interaction. God didn't sit in heaven and be like, oh wow, Didn't see that coming. I thought South Africa was doing well. It was starting to recover. But then all of a sudden that happened. I can't believe it. No, God knows about these things. God is sovereign over all things. And then the last one. We have to, as a people of God, realize afresh and anew how important it is to be part of a Christian community. Lone rangers are dead rangers. If you go off and do your own thing, you will be, uh, you will suffer the effects of that. I always think of the example of being placed in a ring by myself with Mike Tyson and totally being pummeled to the ground by this former world heavyweight champion. But then I imagine if there was a hundred of us, I'm sure we could quickly overpower him. And, And that's what it is like. If you go off by yourself, do you not think that the devil can easily cause you to doubt, easily turn you away from God and His people. But when we are together, there's strength in numbers. We can love one another, encourage one another. We need each other. So I want to close this off in prayer. Father, we pray for Your hand in all of the things that is happening in our country. Lord, we pray for the church to rise up again and be the salt and light in this world. We pray for your mercy to fall on us, fall on us as a people. Lord, we we pray that we will thirst for you like a deer pants. 
for water. We want you, Lord. We know that our satisfaction and our deepest longings can only be satisfied in and through a relationship with you, not better circumstances. So if we had to choose between you and better circumstances, Lord, we choose you and we trust you and we place our hope in you, knowing that we will be with you for all eternity in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.